Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Yeah, you can use my voice on the air. I don't care because you're just an idiot moron on YouTube, dude. Listen, brother, you have no talent. You suck. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Dalamore. Good day to you all. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining us for this 509th installment of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore, and I am joined today... By the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, my hero, Brittany Page. That is a bold proclamation. Do you mind if I start the program today doing a little Brittany P. ass kissing? Mm. Uh, let's let's see what happens. What do you what do you have? What's going on? <laughs> well, the other day. Yesterday, mm-hmm. it was yesterday. We went and saw the movie, the the big the the big movie, Avengers, uh, Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. And prior to the check in time, the ticket buying time, uh, we went and had a sandwich at a little place. And uh, we're sitting there talking, and I wasn't tuned into it mainly because I don't hear very well. Mm-hmm. But there were two girls behind you who mm-hmm. you couldn't see; you could just hear them, right? And then once you told me to start listening, then I tuned in. Mm-hmm. And these two girls, ostensibly college kids at uh, University of California, Irvine, mm-hmm. kind of a, a rich kid. It's not super elite like a Harvard or a Stanford, but it's certainly uh, a, a school of privilege. Okay. Tougher to get into, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but I also, I wouldn't call it a school of privilege, but I, I don't know. Huh. 
Yeah, because, well... I don't when, know why I have that uh, that impression. Well, when you go to, like, for example, when you go to community colleges here in California, you have the um, Cal State track that you can take, or you can take the University of California track. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't think that a University of California school is necessarily, like, elite. Um, you mean, like, Cal Berkeley? Same system. Yeah, I, I just, I don't... We're talking about the University of California, Irvine, but right. but it's not like a Harvard. I know you said yeah, that, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, your characterization, I think, is not... I think you're trying to sidetrack off the hero talk right now. I'm not doing that. <laughs> anyway, my, my, my calculation or my how I feel about it might be wrong. But anyway, so I assume these kids are, they're going to UCI because we're right, we're right practically on campus where we are. And... Uh, they're talking, these are two Christian girls, and they're talking about how, or one especially is talking about how she's going to confront her friend who's gay, mm-hmm. but she's going to do it, and he's going to know that it's totally done in love mm-hmm. about him living, he's living in sin. Right, but a sin is a sin. But That's another thing they said. Well, you should probably, anyway, so look, I was impressed because when we went to walk away, I wanted to be aggressive mm-hmm. you did not you turned around and what did you say well, no, no 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 you said i wanted to be aggressive and you did not that is not true no no no. i sat there for probably 10 minutes running through the different scripts in my head that i could say and i finally landed on um something pretty simple i just said i, I looked at both of them and I didn't raise my voice. I didn't draw attention to them. I didn't make a scene. I just said, uh, it's a bummer to see two young people so bigoted. Yeah. And they both just sat there with their mouths open staring at me. Um, shocked that I had said something to them. Yeah. But they were having this conversation as though they were talking about, you know, celebrity romance or something i mean they they were not it was not in hushed tones i could hear their entire conversation once i started listening i could hear it right and i mean this is about like how people are gonna burn in hell you know yeah and it just seems like they shouldn't be able to have that conversation in public without someone saying something to them yeah it needs really that's so anyway, the reason you're my hero, I still want to talk about it, but the reason I'm saying that is because I don't have it in me yet. I endeavor to do it, but I don't have it in me yet to be as wise about it because it is the best way to handle it. They're not going to change if you say, you little fucking bigots, rah, and you freak out. That's not going to change any hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. The way you did it, Maybe, maybe not, but maybe will make them reflect on, wow, is what we're saying bigoted? Or maybe down the line, if it happens again, then they'll reflect. It might be the first step in a mm-hmm. journey toward not being fucking bigots. Yeah. Well, well I appreciate the words of praise, I guess. Um, but <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, many of the scripts that I was running in my head, they were not nice, right? Yeah. But I... That's easy. Right. I tried to land on something that I felt would get my message across, um, get out how I was feeling. I was so angry I was shaking. (laughs) So it was was hard for me. And I knew I couldn't walk away and and say nothing. 
that that couldn't happen. So I had to say something. But like you're saying, I didn't want to say something hateful because then it reinforces that kind of persecuted Christian narrative in their head, right? You see, right? This is why we have to be out there proselytizing and getting the word out because they want to attack us. They don't want to let us live in peace, you know, whatever it might be. Okay. I certainly didn't want to feed into that. And what I said may have already done that. It may feed into it, right? I might've walked away and they were like, you see, we just got called bigots and we're trying to save people from burning in hell. Well, listen, that's, that's what's so odd to me that there are still, there's a segment of the population um that that do feel like it is their duty look it's not like they were going to confront a friend about his nail biting habit Mm -hmm. they're going to confront someone about how he was born Mm -hmm. his sinful nature I, i just with 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 suicide at insane levels especially in the lgbtq community those girls are harmful they're doing harm if she goes through with her bullshit yeah i agree i agree and and, and anyway so i just think it was awesome necessary and really that's that's the term i want to i really want to go with here is necessary to say something well, well, and we always talk about on the show, right, um, being people who, like, take action, right? Yeah. In public, if you see something, do something. If you see something, say something, whatever. And so I think I just try to do that because we talk about it. <laughs> but also, I've actually always been like that. Um, it started out just being, like, a white trash kid doing that. <laughs> And then it kind of evolved into a more socially acceptable <laughs> way of doing it. Um, but we don't need to get into the specifics of the earlier encounters. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting into specifics yeah. as I stutter and stammer and try to get over my words. Yeah, but I would be interested to know what listeners, if they have encountered something similar, what they have done. Um, what they might have done in that situation. What, what's, a, what, what's a good technique, too? Not just, fuck you, you little bigots. Mm-hmm. What is a, a sly, slick way to do it? I also do want to say I was genuinely surprised when I turned around. And uh, they were probably not 21. I mean, they were yeah. probably 19, 20. It was very unsuspecting. When you said who it was, I looked around because I didn't expect the two young uh pretty Asian girls Mm -hmm. sitting in the corner to be the ones, you know, I I was prejudiced in the opposite way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they were not like the young progressive liberal types that I expected them to be. Yeah. Yeah. So all kinds, Brittany Page. Yeah. Well, we always talk about how the, the kids are getting it figured out. Right. And they're becoming more liberal and they are most of them. Right. These were outliers. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but that's why I was shocked. I, I haven't really encountered that a lot here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, again, we'd love to hear from you if you have any, you know, crowdsourcing is a great way to kind of solve some problems. And this would be a a, a good way to, to find out, your particular flavor of uh, pushing back or rebuke in a in a kind, effective way. Right. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit 
at dollamore.com. Speaking of those two contact pieces of information, we have some voicemails to get to. Let's start with Jim. I believe it's Jim in Texas. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. This is Jim in Houston, and um, you guys rock. But um got to tell you, I heard you whistle the other day, Jesse, and um, it was a little triggering. sounded exactly like my dad when he used to try to get my attention from the backside of the 15 acres in East Texas when I was a kid. But I've decided to take control over that whistle, and um, I've got a good revenue stream for you guys. Um, how about you make that available as a ringtone? I would love like hell to just have that whistle come up randomly during my day. It's fierce. So are y'all. Have a good day. Let me know. Bye. Are there are <laughs> ringtones still a thing that you can buy? I don't know. I, what, what format would you would you have to do? I don't know because you remember when ringtones first became a thing. There were there were ways to get them. Yeah. It wasn't iTunes. I don't remember how I would get them. Was it like on LimeWire you could download ringtones? Yeah, I think it was before the iPhone when they were like a, there was a marketplace for ringtones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would, I don't think there's a, there's a money making opportunity there, Jim, but I would certainly, I would cut one, especially for you, sir. Look at that. If indeed you wanted one. A, a dollar more freebie. <laughs> Popeye jumped up. <laughs> He's barking. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Nothing's happening. You're okay. Oh, you think I can get him to do it again? No, don't do it. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now he's just staring at me. At bully with a Y Popeye. I was very upset right now. What are you going to do? He can't even hear the banjo music. That's just piped into the headphones. Yeah. He's very confused right now. Very confused. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, Jim, uh, just let me know what format you need that in, brother, and I'll uh, and send me a... I guess I have your email. No, you called. Anyway, write us. and I got it at dollamore.com, and we'll, we'll hook you up. Um, next voicemail. Maybe the dog will calm down. Hey, guys. Scott from Indiana here. Uh, listening to episode 507, and you guys talking about the... Citizenship question on the census. I do not understand that at all. <laughs> they are quite frankly nuts if they think that there won't be fuckery around that question. Uh, who, what is going to stop somebody from just saying that they're a citizen if they aren't? And personally, I'm probably just going to say that I'm not a citizen. Just wanted to add my two cents, uh, two cents to it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, um, I thought about this. I was thinking about this prior because we had said that uh, I wasn't going to participate in that particular question. But I had this same thought, Scott, to just say, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm illegal and see where that goes. And then I got the thought that might be illegal to lie on the census. Yeah, it looks like a maximum of $500. Oh, only 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's, you know, if you got the 500 bucks to possibly spare, then it might be worth it. But it is definitely a crime to to lie on that federal form. So or even probably to a census taker. So I would not do that. I, what I would do is uh, abstain from that question and state why you abstain. 
But I want to give good advice here. I don't want to encourage you to go out there and do something that would commit a crime. That would be a bummer for you. So my advice is just to abstain from those particular questions. Again, well, myself. Well, and according to uh, NBC News, federal law provides that anyone who refuses to answer or willfully neglects to answer any of the questions in connection with any census or survey shall be fined a maximum of $100. Okay. Well, I, I've got the 100 to spare there. Because okay. fuck them. All right. I'm just usually, I'll, like I said last time, I'll just avoid the census taker. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if you, you're filling out the form and you just happen to not check that box, eh, what are you going to do? Because mm-hmm. the only thing the Constitution requires, once again, is that they enumerate, that they count the people. That is all. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it, Scott. Hey, guys, it's Carissa. Uh, I was just listening to the uh, discussion of whether or not things are changing too fast, like what you can say to people and what you can't. Like, a general rule of thumb, like, if you're really that worried about offending somebody so so badly that, like, an apology won't work, because things, things are changing fast, I get that. But just, you know, you can just not use some of those terms and don't not use them like, oh, or can't I say that anymore? <laughs> that That is almost worse when I hear that from people, then I guess it's not it's not worse than like the derogatory term, but it's said with such a ugh, ugh. anyway. So uh, love the show, Brittany's best part. Bye guys. Love the show, Brittany's the best part. Bye. It, it, it is one of those deals that when someone says that, well, when a, it's kind of like, what about me? What do you mean you want me to call them they or them? What about me? Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird it's a weird impulse. Yeah. And you know, going back to what we were saying last last I think I believe it was the last episode, um, that you know, there is some pretty rapid change and there is gonna be some heartburn among people who look, people are fearful of change. I mean, people don't like change when we do something different. I mean, when it's something massive that shocks their senses. <laughs> For sure, because you know they're 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 stuck in their rut. They're they're stuck in their 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 religious belief or whatever it is that they've always. This is the way it's always been done. If you start messing with that, it's going to be a problem. Anyway, well, and I think if people are well intentioned and if they have a good heart and they make an earnest mistake, um, that there should just be space given um to correct that mistake yeah right um and ensure that they have the information that they need to get their shit together for sure um and that that can help a little bit i think too with some of the feelings that people have of oh you know i can't be like how i am you know what about me yeah we'll give you some time (laughs) to like learn and figure it out not too much time right because we're all in this together and we got to move forward. Um, but we'll give you some time to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> Just do it quick. Again, you're very heroic, Brittany. You're my hero. All right. Give them all the time. Mm. Not all the time. <laughs> no, I don't mean all. Anyway. Like a few seconds. <laughs> you know. Oh, we're going off the fucking rails. Anyway, last time on the show, actually the, over the course of the several episodes now, we've been talking about voting for prisoners, voting for felons. I did a YouTube video about it, and we've gotten some feedback. Hi, this is Kat from Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, 
uh, one thing that you need to consider if they're going to allow incarcerated people to vote is their vote uh, counted. Are they voting from their home, city, county, possibly even state? Um, or are they voting for the local area where the jail is? It seems to be that their home would be the better place for them to be voting from, but it's also how much information they have of that. Of course, they may not have much information with the local area either. Um, anyhow, that was my my thought when I was listening to the different um, discussions back and forth. Was um, if anyone had considered where their votes count from? Thank you. Oh, and Brittany's the best part. <laughs> Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Um. So I've heard a lot about this. Uh, I even had a question asked of me that if if they did have to vote in their where they're from, their home district, how would they do so? And I you know, just absentee ballot would be the answer. However, I think that the way that they census and they count people in the different municipalities and the counties and the districts is prisoners count as well, which is an odd thing. If you're um, dis- the distribution of bodies is counting toward representation and you live in a high prisoner uh, populated area, you're representing people who aren't voting for you, don't have the option to vote for you. That seems like a not a a fair system. Right. Mary talked about that in her voicemail on the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bernie Sanders actually wrote an op-ed in USA Today. Did you see this? No. It says, everyone deserves the right to vote, even felons like Paul Manafort and Michael Cohen. <laughs> and... <laughs> It starts with um, (laughs) it starts with I have been attacked in recent days by President Trump and others for my conviction that people who are incarcerated should be given the right to vote. I make no apologies for that position. Our country has a long and shameful history of voter suppression at our founding. Despite rhetoric to the contrary, only land owning white males were given the right to participate in our democracy. Lower income people, women, Native Americans, African Americans and young people were excluded. We have been engaged in an ongoing 243-year project to expand participation in our democracy. Thankfully, we have made much progress in that struggle, but our work is not done, not even close. Yeah. I mean, listen, we got another call on this, but it really did. It, it, it was Mikey from Illinois again who, who turned me around on it. I actually, Mikey, if you, if you didn't watch the video, I gave you a little, a little YouTube shout out. Um. And we do have an embarrassing history. It's something I talked about in the video. An embarrassing history of restricting the vote, of being resistant to progress. That up until 1870, only white men were afforded the vote. Only white men. Now, that might have been a more significant portion of the population than it is now. But it was not. 50% of the population. 1920, black women, black black women and white women both got the vote. Women's suffrage, the 19th Amendment. 1924, Native Americans were allowed to vote via some some statute, some, some act that was passed by Congress. 
And then in 1971, of course, the the voting age changed. So it's just it's it's this shameful, embarrassing pattern of all right. I guess we'll let them vote to all right. Oh, them to okay. We're being forced. It's just a it's a pattern in our country. And uh, I'm still listen. We're gonna play the next call. But I'm still waiting for, I, I hear a lot of objections. I don't think that that's the way it should be. And no one gives a reason. Especially related to people who are currently incarcerated. Hi guys, it's Dan from Oceanside. Just wanted to tag on to something Brittany said when she was talking about uh, felons having their vote reinstated. Um, I'm not sure how much I can get down with people currently serving uh, felony, you know, convictions to, to have the right to vote because like, I think like Jesse said, is it's like, if you're suspending someone's day to day life, they don't, you know, you don't have autonomy anymore. You're, we control, you know, where, where you go, when you go there, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, voting rights. I, I get why you wouldn't get a vote, you know, a vote while you're currently serving your debt to society. That said, once you've done your time, I'm a thousand percent in favor of having your vote reinstated. Um, the same way that, you know, you're trying to rejoin society and a pretty important thing we all do as a unit is is vote, you know, uh, uh, collectively. So I totally think you should have your vote reinstated once you've, you've served, your, served your debt. Um, and that said, like, like uh, Brittany was talking about the racial disparities... And that's exactly where this this stems from. That's the only reason. When you look at the percentages of populations or the population per capita uh, of different uh, ethnic groups that are they're currently serving jail time, it's pretty shocking the percentage of say African Americans in jail to the percentage of African Americans overall. It's way out of whack. Obviously, there's some systematic things at play there, and one of them. If you know that you're likely, as a 18 or 19 or 20-year-old black man, um, I wish I had the figure, but it's some insane thing, like a one in four. I hope I'm not getting that wrong, and if I, I'll look it up, and if I've got it way wrong, I'll, I'll call back. Um, but if you have like a 25% chance uh, as a as a African American in your 20s to have a run-in with the law, uh, and you're more likely to get a longer sentence. If the if and when that does happen, that tells them that says to me that that exists for a reason, and one of them is to go, hey, we can limit the amount of African Americans in the voting block. That's not that doesn't accidentally happen. That's that's like institutionalized slavery. Since you know that's a that's a Jim Crow era holdover vibe thing. Uh, anyways, guys, love the show. Thought that was a very uh, important discussion to continue to have. Um, and I hope, like Florida, I hope the rest of the states, you know, deal, deal with that sooner than later. All right, guys, love the show. So this is another case where Dan intimates a position that he doesn't believe felons are, or convicts who are currently serving their sentence should be able to vote. But doesn't really explain why not, other than, you know, their freedom is taken away. Well, their freedom being taken away is different than their rights being taken away. Clearly, some of their rights are being taken away. Um... 
it's kind of like that research study. I don't want to interrupt you. No, no. Keep your thought Please, in your head. That's my game. So, um, <laughs> Like the research that we talk about related to morality um, and like the um, adult brother and sister right. having sexual relations. Um, and you ask people you know, how they feel about that. If both are adults, both are consenting and they're like, oh, you know, something could really happen to that child. If there were to be a child produced, they're like, oh, no, no, no. You know, she can't get pregnant. They're using protection. All the birth control available on earth is being used in this situation. It won't happen. He's triple bagging. Right. Uh, (laughs) Whatever it might be. That's by the way, don't do that kids. All right. One is good enough. And, um, so a lot of kids (laughs) listening to the show. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and people can't explain it, right? It just yeah. comes around to it just feels wrong, right? And and so that may be the case here where for people because of tradition probably, yeah, right? Yeah, we've always done it. Right? Um, it just feels like something that shouldn't happen. Which, by the way, is where I was a week ago. Right. And I even talked about my own bias against it, right? Because of my personal relationship to criminals and yeah. people that are in prison for like 15 years. So um, I have a close relationship with this issue. And so I have to recognize my own bias. Right. But I think that if we grapple with that stuff, we are able to overcome it and rationalize it yeah. and really work our way through this to see what the reasonable thing is. Well, if you think think about the, the the prison population, the demographics of the prison population, and how, like Dan was talking about, how disproportionate it is, I, I don't know the exact percentage, but it is somewhere between, it's right around 25% of the prison population are black, black, black men. And 7 or 8% of the country is black men. So that is a wildly disproportionate number. If it was a proportionate ratio there would be an equal there would be seven percent of the prison population it would look just like on the outside and that's not the case and that's not just because blacks are criminally inclined what is this fucking sam harris hour over here no it's because of the sentencing that takes place from uh or, or the activity that takes place from all the way from um community policing all the way to sentencing all the way through parole that black males don't get a fair fucking shake at all. Justice is not just in this country. It is not blind. It is not equal. It's just a fact. It's just the way it is. All you have to do is look at the numbers. So anyway, so I, I'm still, I'm waiting for someone to give me a uh, persuasive argument about why why prisoners, current prisoners, should not be able to vote. Anyway, as always, we love the conversations that we have here. We love the the back and forth, getting your your opinions on the record through the voicemail and the uh, the email, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dollamore. 
Paul. Paul. Paul is our newest Patreon supporter. That is beautiful. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much. But that is not all. We also have Samuel. Wait, there's more. Who upped his pledge (laughs) on Patreon. Samuel. Yes. We very much appreciate that. So here's the thing. I just sent out a large batch of stickers. So um, if you became a Patreon supporter in the month of April... I will be doing your stickers this weekend. But if you became a Patreon supporter prior to the month of April and you haven't received your stickers yet or within the next week, please send me a message on Patreon with your address and I will get you some stickers. Sometimes the mail, you know, messes things up and and those things don't get to you. That's understandable. That happens. Little idiots! Idiots! Okay. <laughs> Um, not necessarily our fault, so don't get mad at us. It is not our fault. Um, one thing that is our fault is that the newsletter is late, but that is because we're having our fault. We're having a technical issue on that. Yeah, and um, I will get it resolved, and it will go out. But we also have heard from people because it doesn't have a high open rate, <laughs> and we have heard from some of the listeners that they weren't getting it sent to their inbox. And part of this could be because it comes from the I doubt it at dollamore.com email address, which Jesse, you have said goes to um, the junk box it's on our, Gmail. It's our own server. So it's not like it's not like uh, a whitelisted server. So the best thing to do is the and I, we're not making a joke here. I know we said put our number in your phone book and deeper dear. If you put us in your address book, seriously, then it'll just get delivered to your inbox. That's the way. If you're in that tier uh, or if you're getting in that tier and you want the the, the newsletter, put us in your in your in your uh, your your email address in, book, address book. Yeah. Yeah. Goddamn. Exactly. And that will help solve that problem. Yes. Um, so look for that. Hopefully we can get that figured out over the next couple of days. Um, thank you for your patience. I know the schedule has been a little off, but we are going to be recording the second episode this week. Um, I think tomorrow night. Yeah. Not on the weekend. Right. And then we are going to be returning to our kind of monday night recording schedule yeah, early time. week to midweek so we can have two in the week and not one on the weekend because a lot of people don't listen they're not fucking gonna be listening to podcasts on the weekend right anyway we're, we're we're a lot in flux man we're trying to we're trying to make it work busy busy yes growing growing but we're getting it done good time we're doing it all right but we're doing it taking care of biz Huh, Brittany Page? Exactly. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So today, our esteemed and venerable Attorney General of these United States (laughs) of America (laughs) sat before the Senate Judiciary Committee, chaired by none other than Lindsey Graham. Trump is a fucking idiot. <laughs> that is audio from today. Mm-hmm. Trump is a fucking idiot. Reading, I guess, a text message from Lisa Strock. Yeah. Or Lisa Page. Yeah. Peter Strock. Not related. Not related. This this was the interesting... You would never say something like that, Brittany. Trump yeah. is a fucking idiot. Yep, we know I wouldn't. Is he... Uh-oh. Is he... Fucking listening to himself right now. Maybe you would say something like that. Well, that that was a drop. So that was the old me again. (laughs) The old. And (laughs) 
So anyway, uh, what Lindsey Graham said there was true, but uh, he didn't say a lot of truthful things during the um, hearing. And in fact, while people were watching M- MSNBC, they were tweeting because Brian Williams was actually interrupting Lindsey Graham, the coverage of Lindsey Graham during the hearing to issue corrections of things right. that he was On saying. On the spot, huh? Right. Wow. Which is nice. They should do that more often. So good. Well, you got to have an anchor worth their salt who's able to do it. Yeah. Not every anchor can get it done like that. So what ended up happening here was the Republicans on the committee were really focused on how the investigation got started, right? Peter yeah. Strzok, Lisa Page, the fake dossier, right? All of these little talking points that you hear from Donald Trump, from Sean Hannity, from Laura Ingram, all the usual suspects. And the Republicans were using that information and really focusing on it and also praising William Barr for his lifetime of service and dedication to the country. They and were what a great all, job he's done. All over them now. All over them nuts. Or as we would have said in the past when we were the old us, essing of the D. A lot of essing of the D. Right. Yeah. And old. I don't need to be the old Jesse for that. Yeah. I'm all over that. Okay. Not essing of the D, but saying essing of the D. Yeah, you don't have to clarify. So <laughs> um we also the Democrats on the committee, the uh they did not pay attention to Lisa Page and Peter Strzok. Shocking, right? What they were more interested in was how Bill Barr um, landed on his summary, um, why he was saying that there was no case for obstruction when there seems to be um, what's with this letter that Robert Mueller sent him. Yeah, which news broke about just yesterday. Right, where he's saying, hey, bud, your uh, summary doesn't really characterize what I found very well. What's going on there? Hey, can you release the summaries that we wrote? Here, I have a Mueller summary that I wrote. Can you actually release that? I have two of them. Can you release those? No, he doesn't. I want to start there, if we can. The timeline of this is very interesting. That March 22nd, the Mueller report was released to the AG. On the 24th, Barr wrote his four-page little book report on the 448-page Mueller report. That's the 24th. On the 27th, just three days, because Sunday is when the letter from Barr came out. On Wednesday, Robert Mueller wrote a letter objecting to the summary that Bill Barr had written. And in this, in, in this letter objecting, objecting and, and voicing his frustrations, there are a few things that he said. Quote, the summary letter the department sent to Congress and released to the public late in the afternoon of March 24th did not fully capture the context, nature and substance of this office's work and conclusions. I just want to pause really quick because Megan McCain on The View (laughs) repeated this line and said, what does that even mean? What does it even mean? You don't know what that means. Yeah. You don't know what it means. Anyway, he goes on, quote, there is now public confusion about critical aspects of the results of our investigation. This threatens to undermine a central purpose for which the department appointed the special counsel. Release of the report at this time would alleviate the misunderstandings that have arisen and would answer congressional and public questions about the nature and outcome of our investigation. Those are serious concerns. So he's trying to get him to release the report early. Release of the report at this time would alleviate all these misunderstandings. On the 27th, keeping in mind that the the redacted version didn't come out until the 18th of April. 
But this other part is super telling of Mueller's, what was in Mueller's mind. That your fucking summary guy did not fully capture the context, the nature, or the substance, or the substance of this office's work and our conclusions. You didn't get it right. That's what Mueller's telling him there. Well, and also, Robert Mueller asked Bill Barr twice to release the summaries that his team had written. Right. The day after, they don't say how, but there is, he references it in this letter that, hey, we talked to you the 25th, dude. We've already talked about this. Yeah. And they were not released when Robert Mueller asked them, asked him to release them. They were apparently later part of the report. Yeah. But the point is, Mueller was trying to get him to speak the truth, to educate the public. And not spin. Yeah. To reduce the confusion and actually give the facts. Yeah. And that Bill Barr was very reluctant to do that. So, so again, I want the timeline here to be very clear. The 24th of March is Barr's four-page book report. The 27th, Mueller writes him a letter saying, what the fuck, dude? And then on April 9th, over a week later, Mueller appears before Congress and Democratic former Republican Charlie Crist, congressman from Florida, asks him this. Um, reports have emerged recently, uh, General, that members of the special counsel's team are frustrated at some level with the limited information included in your March 24th letter uh, that it does not adequately or accurately necessarily portray the report's findings. Do you know what they're referencing with that? No, I don't. I think, I think, uh, I suspect that they probably wanted you know, more put out. But uh, in my view, uh, I was not interested in putting out summaries or trying to summarize because I think any summary, regardless of who prepares it, uh, not only runs the risk of, you know, being under-inclusive or over-inclusive, but also, you know, would trigger a lot of discussion and analysis that really should await everything coming out at once. So I was not interested in a summary uh, of the report. And in fact, at the time I uh, put out my March 24th letter, there was nothing from the special counsel that wasn't marked as potentially containing 6E material. And I had no material that had been sanitized of 6E material. So. Uh, I felt that I should state the bottom line conclusions, uh, and I tried to use uh, Special Counsel Mueller's own language in doing that. Uh, It's just such bullshit. For one, his flat answer is, no, I don't. Charlie Crist asked a, a great question. I wonder where he got his information. Which is, reports have emerged that members of the special counsel's team are frustrated at some level with the limited information included in your summary. That it does not adequately or accurately portray the report's findings. Do you know what that's referencing? No, I don't. And then he goes on to say, I suspect blah, 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 blah. And then he tries to pour in a bunch of minutia about 6E, which is federal rules of criminal procedure related to the secrecy requirements of grand jury proceedings. 
It's nonsense. It's it's filibustering. It's hiding the ball. It's a fucking game of three three uh, three card Monty is what he's trying to do there. But but he got burned because he answered that. Then we found out yesterday, April 9th, was this was this questioning. We found out yesterday that over a week before that, he had received a letter that we just read from where Mueller did voice his, his concerns and his frustrations. It, it, it's, it's perplexing that the Attorney General, the Chief Law Enforcement Officer of the United States of America, would be so emboldened to act like such a political partisan that he feels comfortable perjuring himself before Congress while under oath. Patrick Leahy, senator from Vermont, asked about this. Why did you testify on April 9th that you didn't know the concerns being expressed by Mueller's team when in fact you had heard those concerns directly from Mr. Mueller two weeks before? Well, as I said, I talked directly to, to Bob Mueller about his letter to me and, and specifically asked him what exactly are your concerns? Are you saying that the March 24th letter was misleading or inaccurate, or what? He indicated that it was not. He was not saying that, and that what he was concerned about... That wasn't my question. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the question, which is the question from Christ was, reports have emerged recently, press reports, that members of the special counsel's team are, fr are frustrated at some level with the limited information included uh, in your March 24th letter in that they don't adequately or accurately portray the report's findings. I don't know what members he's talking about, I don't, I, I, and, I, and I certainly am not aware of any challenge That's to the accuracy of the findings. Mr. Barr, you seem to have learned the filibuster rules even better than senators do. My question was, why did you say uh, you were not aware of concerns when weeks before your testimony, Mr. Mueller had expressed concerns to you? I mean, that's a fairly simple... Well, I answered a question, and the question was relating to unidentified members who were expressing frustration over the accuracy relating to findings. I don't know what that refers to at all. I talked directly to Bob Mueller, not members of his team. And even though I did not know what was being referred to, and, had, and, and, and Mueller had never told me that, that, my, that the f expression of, of the findings was inaccurate. But I did then volunteer that I thought they were talking about the desire to have more information put out. But it wasn't my purpose to put out more information. Well, Mr. Barr, you're, I feel your answer was purposely misleading. His answer was absolutely purposefully misleading. When he starts rambling on about uh, they were unidentified. The question was about unidentified members of the team. Well, your answer, though, said no. It wasn't about unidentified members. The question was, reports have emerged that members of the special counsel's team, by the way, a member of the special counsel's team is Robert Mueller. He's a member of the special counsel's team. 
that they're frustrated at some level with limited information, blah, blah, blah. Does this adequate? Do, do, do you know to what they're referencing? No, I don't. You didn't say, are you talking about unidentified members of the team? You answered flatly, plainly. You fucking lied. You perjured yourself. You disgraced the office of the attorney general. I don't want to get all high and mighty up here, but goddamn, we deserve better than this. I also appreciate the attempt to talk about how <laughs> Mueller was concerned about reports in the media. Yeah. Hmm. You know, it's funny. Uh, Chris Wallace, even, even, <laughs> even Chris Wallace, Brittany. Well, Chris Wallace is is pretty decent. For the most part, he is. Yeah, there's been some issues, but he's pretty decent. When you think of reporters at Fox News, yeah, you're right. I, it's there's what it is. It's it's easy to remember the bad shits. Like if there's a few occasions a year where he's kind of a douche. Yeah. Where it could be just a failing of. Uh, it's not a bias. Maybe you're right. You're right. Ultimately, you're right. But he even took this to task talking to Shep. You know, I know there are some people who don't think that this, this March 27th letter uh, is a big deal. And, uh, uh, you know, some opinion people, some opinion people who appear on this network who may be pushing a, a political agenda. But, you know, we have to deal in facts. And, and the fact is that this letter from the special counsel, and it was one of at least three contacts with the uh, attorney general, between uh, March 25th and March 27th was a clear indication that the attorney general was upset, very upset, with the uh, letter that had been sent out by the attorney general and wanted it changed or wanted at least added to, and the attorney general refused to do so. He felt the attorney general's letter was inaccurate. He, he says in the conversation, he was talking about media coverage, that's not what he said in the letter. What he says in the letter is you didn't reflect what we found in the report. Uh, and there are a lot of people having read now the full report or as much as it has been not redacted, uh, you know, agree that he didn't uh, reveal what was fully in the report. Again, those aren't opinions. That's not a political agenda. Those are the facts. So you often have the reporters on Fox News pit against the opinion people yeah. on Fox News because it's not clearly defined. Yeah, you also have a lot of reporters who blur the line as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And like Brett Baer making appearances at yeah. Mar-a-Lago. Fuck yeah. And so I appreciated how Chris Wallace directly gave a shout out to the opinion people <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. on his network who are using their political bias and be behaving in a way that's politically motivated. It's just shitty because that he, that he can't name them. He can't say Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram. Right. You know, yeah, absolutely. he's got to play that game. Oh, the opinion people, this nebulous group that no one really know. Who are they? What is it? What's happening? Yeah. I wonder if sometimes they go home and they just feel depressed. The journalists. Yeah. They've got to. Yeah. They've got to be bummed. Just bummed that your organization as a whole is terrible. You know? Well, conversely, I think the ones who escape like Allison Camerata. Right, who's feel, on CNN now. Yeah, who must feel real fucking good. Like, yeah. Man, got out of there. That is <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. Or then you have people like Megyn Kelly, who don't really change when they leave. They just, they fuck it all up. Yeah. They think everywhere they go is Fox News. Where yeah. you can say, hey, blackface is great, man. Cool. Well, if you go look at her liked tweets, she's really expressing herself on Twitter. Oh, really? 
really coming out of her shell. I haven't looked at it for probably two months, but when I looked at it, it was not good. You think she's broadcasting or signaling to Fox News, hey, take me back. Take me back. Uh, she got a pretty good paycheck, so I think she's probably fine. Oh, she got that full settlement, $60 million. It was something like that, yeah. I think she's pretty... God damn. She's doing all right. You think she bought a new car? <laughs> I don't know. She lives in New York City. She probably doesn't need a car. Right, right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> anyway, that was a nice little digression. Uh-huh. So here, here, here's the deal. There are presidential candidates right now and I don't want to just say that there are presidential candidates who are who are questioning hardcore and being awesome because they're running for president. Because that's not the case with Kamala Harris. She's always been, and maybe she's had it in the cards to want to run, and she's putting on a show. Maybe, maybe. I just don't feel that way. Uh-huh. And I'm not even a giant Kamala Harris fan. Yeah. I like her. I'll certainly vote for her in the general election. I don't know if she's my gal You'll certainly vote for her in the general election if that's who it is. If that's who it is. <laughs> Please put that phrase in yeah, there. <laughs> if that's who it is. But in the primary, I don't know if she's if she's my number. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I do want to say that I as I was watching this, because we're getting ready to play um, the questions that she asked of Attorney General William Barr. And I was watching this happen and I was thinking to myself, what how different would the world be if most women were like this at work <laughs> you're like not maybe not at work you're like this when like dudes interrupt you that is one of the things where that you happen. just continue to talk fuck you you're not gonna step over me right or where she says i i'm asking a question right, like yeah, i'm yeah. reclaiming my time basically and but just her fire yeah and she's not afraid to be intimidating she's not afraid to be an intellectual she's not afraid and so many women get caught in that likability trap of yeah. i can't be scary i have a binary to, choice right i have to make men feel comfortable yeah i can't make people feel weird or upset i can't question anything well men don't worry about that shit that's right you know she <laughs> she was a boss a boss today unlike anyone else up there even you know who really was impressed with her shit today Cory Booker sitting, sitting right, next, right to her. next to her grinning his sick fucking ass off. Well, he was like, yes, no, she is killing it right in now. In the beginning, he was grinning, but then he thought to himself, oh, I'm running for president. Too. Oh, shit. It's almost <laughs> June. Which debate stage am I going to be on? Yeah. Is it going to be with her? I hope not. Well, all three segments of this questioning are spectacular, starting with asking and listen to him fumble. She's going to ask about whether or not someone, the president or anybody else at the White House, has asked for for the Justice Department to open an investigation into anyone. Okay? That's the question. We got it out of the way. You don't have to really pay attention to the question. Listen to this seasoned, two-time Attorney General, again, of these United States of America. Twice he's been the chief law enforcement officer of the country. And listen to him stutter and fucking stammer like he doesn't know where to go. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Attorney General Barr, has the president or anyone at the White House ever asked or suggested that you open an investigation of anyone? Um, uh, 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 I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, 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 yes or no? Could you, could you repeat that question? Repeat the question. 
Has the President or anyone at the White House ever asked or suggested that you open an investigation of anyone? Yes or no, please, sir. Um, um, the President or anybody uh, else? Anybody. Wow. Uh, Seems you'd remember something like mm, that and be able to tell us. No, no, yeah, but no, I'm, I'm no, trying no. to grapple with the word suggest. Oh, I mean, suggest. there have been discussions of, of matters out there that mm. uh, they have not asked me to open an investigation. But Perhaps they've suggested? I don't know. I wouldn't say suggest. Hinted? I, I don't know. Mm. Inferred? You don't know. Okay. So he just trails off there, just refusing to answer anymore. I, I don't know. I don't suggest. I mean, it depends on what your definition of the word is. Is right. What, what does suggest mean? Let's 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 drill away. Let's drill down into the word suggest. What exactly does that entail? I know you have five minutes, but let's really get philosophical about the word suggest while I burn away the time and don't have to answer your question. All that tells me is somebody within the White House, whether it be Donald Trump or someone else, has somehow indicated that they start an investigation into someone, likely a Democrat, maybe Hillary Clinton, because of her fucking emails. Come on. It's not the role of the attorney general. Right. And I also want to say, even though nothing matters anymore, that <laughs> if Hillary Clinton were president and her attorney general was testifying and a Republican asked this question and the attorney general gave this answer, Sean Hannity's head would literally explode. And, and then- I'm using literally... <laughs> In not an incorrect way, it would explode. Not in the way that Sean Hannity uses it, you the mean. The brain would be gone and, and all you, over the place. There's a lot going on inside the head. I don't. There's not probably a lot of giant brain, but that's a giant pumpkin head. So there's a lot going on. It would be a mess <laughs> if it literally exploded. Yeah, exactly. So she went on, and here she's asking about receiving... The evidence. How did you get to your conclusion in your summary, in your four-page fucking book report? What evidence did you look at? Did you look at the underlying evidence? What is it that you're you're drawing your conclusions from? And uh, it's just, it's boss level. Um, In your March 24th summary, you wrote that, quote, after reviewing the special counsel's final report. I will say that no one. Sir, I'm I'm asking a question. In your March 24th summary, you wrote that, quote, after reviewing the special counsel's final report, Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein and I have concluded that the evidence is not sufficient to establish that the president committed an obstruction of justice offense. Now, the special counsel's investigation produced a great deal of evidence. Um, I'm led to believe it included witnesses' notes and emails, witnesses' congressional testimony, witnesses' interviews, um, which were summarized in the FBI 302 forms, former FBI Director Comey's memos, and the president's public statements. My question is, in reaching your conclusion, did you personally review all of the underlying evidence? Uh, No, we took... And accept, did, 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 we accepted did Mr. Rosenstein? No, we accepted the statements in the report as the factual record. We did not go underneath it to see whether or not they were accurate. We accepted it as accurate and made our. So you our, accepted it, the report as the evidence? Yes. You did not question or look at the underlying evidence that supports the conclusions in the report? No. Did uh, Mr. Rosenstein review the evidence? 
that underlines and supports the conclusions in the report, to your knowledge? Not to my knowledge. We accepted the statements in the report did and the characterization your, of the evidence is true. Did anyone in your executive office review the evidence supporting the report? No. No. Yet you represented to the American public that the evidence was not, quote, sufficient to support an obstruction of justice the evidence offense. Present, the evidence presented in the report. This is, not a, this is not a mysterious process. In the Department of Justice, we have pros memos and declination memos every day coming up. And we don't go and look at the underlying evidence. We Sir, take, would you support the characterization of the evidence as true? As the Attorney General of the United States, you run the United States Department of Justice. If in any U.S. Attorney's office around the country, the head of that office, when being asked to make a critical decision about, in this case, the person who holds the highest office in the land, mm -hmm. and whether or not that person committed a crime, would you accept them recommending a charging decision to you if they had not reviewed the evidence? Well, that's a question for Bob Mueller. He's the U.S. attorney. He's the one who presents the report. But it was you who made the charging decision, sir. What, what, what? You made the decision not to charge the president. No, in a Pross memo and in a declination memo. You said it was your baby. What did you mean by that? It was my, it was my baby to, to, let, to decide whether or not to disclose it to the public. And whose decision and we, was and, it? Who's, and, who had the power to make the decision about whether or not the evidence was sufficient to make a determination of whether there had been an obstruction of justice? Prosecution memos go up to the supervisor. In this case, it was the, you know, the attorney general and the deputy attorney general who, who decide on the final decision. And that is based on the memo as presented by the U.S. Attorney's Office. I think you've I've made seen, it clear that of, you've not looked I've at the evidence. We can move on. I I've think it, you've made it clear, sir, that you've not looked at the evidence, and we can day. move on. So this is when the patience is starting to run out. Yeah, yeah. I think for him, too. Absolutely. Like, he, you can tell he's a, he's a, he's a product of being a, a 1990s-era attorney general where he's not used to being fucking bossed around by a laid. <laughs> I, I just I got the vibe. Really? You know what I mean? Yeah, in there he's just there was just kind of end of the rope kind of uh kind of intonation yeah. in his speech and his breathing. He was just like oh, fucking all right. Right. When he's fucking wrong. He's getting he's getting worked right now right. in this questioning. Well, in case you weren't aware, he's actually he was supposed to testify again on Thursday. Yeah, that's right. And he will not be doing that. Yeah, he as soon as he left, he must have got on the fucking phone and said, "Nope." Sorry, Jerry Nadler, not coming. It was rough in this Republican-controlled Senate Judiciary Committee. I cannot imagine going in where a Democrat controls the fucking tempo. Absolutely. Yeah, he would be <laughs> fucking, he'd be roughed up in there. Yeah. And justifiably so. He's performing like a fucking dunce here. Mm -hmm. And he's the smartest, most dangerous member of the goddamn Trump cabinet. Come on. Anyway, the, the last segment of questioning is where she unwraps this very deep conflict of interest relative to him, relative to uh, Rod Rosenstein, which, by the way, let me say quickly, there's all this talk about these reports that he said he would land the plane and all that about Donald Trump to try to keep his job. I still don't see where he did anything wrong. 
And if he said something like that to preserve and protect the investigation, eh, that's what he had to do. But until there's evidence that he actually did something fucking janky or there was fucking chicanery afoot relative to Rod Rosenstein, I'm still gonna gonna put it out there that I think he's a good guy, that I think he had the best intentions to 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 preserve the the investigation and the Mueller team. You're talking about Rod Rosenstein, yeah. Um, what about his message when he resigned in thanking the president and pretty pretty standard language, right? But it just seems like someone who was, um upstanding wouldn't wouldn't do that yeah i think a lot of them not everybody has kind of gone out with a little bit of a dig at donald trump i think there have been some that kind of just went with like a a boilerplate template that's just what i think i don't know yeah you know i I haven't seen any evidence yet and for me that's a little flimsy to look to try to um interpret from the language of his resignation letter that he was a a trump guy you know yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that my expectation would be that he, you know, says hashtag fuck the Donald oh, on I would his have way loved out. That. I would love um, that. But I, I'm just saying what he did write was a little much. It's a bit much. Uh, it's a bit much. Here's uh, breaking news right here is um, a clip from Rod Rosenstein. Sounds a lot like uh, Lindsey Graham, though. Trump is a fucking idiot. <laughs> Going to get a lot of use out of that. Oh, yeah, we are. So anyway, uh, Kamala Harris on the conflicts of interest. Will you agree to consult career DOJ ethics officials about whether your recusal from the 14 investigations that have been discussed by my colleagues is necessary? Uh, I I don't see any basis for it. I already consulted with them. and and You have consulted with them about the 14 other investigations? About the the, uh, Mueller case. Have you consulted with the career DOJ ethics officials about the appropriateness of you being involved or recusing yourself from the 14 other investigations that have been referred out? Conflict of interest, clear conflict of interest. What's my conflict of interest? I think the American public has seen quite well that you are biased in this situation and you've not been objective, and that would arguably be the conflict of interest. Well, you know, I haven't been the only decision maker here. Now, let's take the Deputy Attorney General, Rod Rosenstein, who was approved by this Senate 94 to 6 with specific discussion on the floor that he would be responsible for supervising the Russian investigation. I'm glad you brought up that. That's a great topic. He has 30 years' experience, and we had a number of senior prosecutors in the department involved in this process, both career and non-career. Yes, I've I've read the process, sir. I have another question. And I'm glad you brought that subject up because I have a question about that. Earlier today in response to Senator Graham, you said, quote, that you consulted with Rosenstein constantly, unquote, with respect to the special counsel's investigation and report. But Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein is also a key witness in the firing of FBI Director Comey. Did you consult well, that with D- I'm not finished. Yeah. Did you consult with DOJ ethics officials before you enlisted Rod Rosenstein to participate in a charging decision for an investigation, the subject of which he is also a witness? It's a great question. My understanding was that he had been cleared already to participate in it. by the So you had Spirit. consulted with them and they cleared it? No, I think they cleared it when he when he took over the investigation. Did you consult? My understanding, I. I, I, You don't know whether he's been cleared of a conflict of interest. He would be participating if there was a conflict of interest. So you're saying that it did not need to be reviewed by the 
career ethics officials in your office I believe, to determine I believe if it, it was, was appropriate? Well, I believe it was reviewed. And I and what would was also point out this seems to be a bit of a flip-flop because when the president's supporters Sir, were challenging Rosenstein. flip-flop, I think, in this case is that you're not answering the question directly. What? Did the ethics officials in your office, in the Department of Justice, review the appropriateness of Rod Rosenstein being a part of making a charging decision on an investigation which he is also a witness in? Yeah, my, so as I said, my understanding was he had been cleared and he had been cleared before I arrived. By in making a decision on the Mueller report? Yes. And, and the findings of whether or not the case would be charged on obstruction of justice? He had he, been cleared he was on a, that? He was, he was the acting attorney general on the Mueller investigation. Had he been cleared he had been, to make, I, I am, by your side, a I am decision? Informed, I am informed that before I arrived, he had been cleared by the ethics officials. Of what? Of serving as acting attorney general on the Mueller case. How about making a charging decision on obstruction of justice? That is the what underlying the offenses, which include him as a witness. You know, he, he, Frustrating. that's what the acting attorney general's job is. To be a witness and to make the decision about being a prosecutor? Well, no, but to make charging decisions. I have nothing else. My time is right out. Thank you. Uh, Senator... <laughs> So I, I don't know what you think now that we've listened wow. to the whole thing, what you think the most prominent takeaway is here, because I think it is probably that she got him to admit that he didn't look at the underlying evidence yeah. and neither did Rod Rosenstein. That's right. That seems like a pretty significant. Well, Rod Rosenstein wouldn't be the chief arbiter of the charging decision. It would be the attorney general. I mean, he might he give some counsel on the matter, but the buck doesn't stop with Rod Rosenstein. The buck stops with Bill Barr. And Bill Barr wants it both ways. He wants, oh, well, Mueller didn't. Blah, 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 blah. You're the attorney general, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You can do what you're going to do. Right. And so not examining the evidence before you make a decision not to charge the president with obstruction that seems pretty... Or not even to determine whether the president, right. if he hadn't been president, would be charged. Right. Whether he uh, 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 took part in criminal conduct. Yeah, that's that, that's certainly uh, a giant takeaway here. The, the other would be outlining the conflict of interest. And for me, really, the first clip about... Uh, whether the White House has asked him to open asked him to open an investigation into someone else, ostensibly as a political retribution move, right? That's a big deal too. Yeah, well, and we we also know because that's when he was most uncomfortable. We also know. I mean, he seemed pretty uncomfortable throughout, to be right. honest. But we know that that wouldn't be beneath Donald Trump, hell, it or would be anyone expected. that he's close to. Yes, that is just what we would expect it's just rare that you get somebody under oath who's answering questions right you know what i mean yeah so what we need is robert Mueller to testify yeah, and it's happening it is happening and it needs to happen sooner than the 20 whatever 20th yes. 22nd it needs to happen soon yes real real soon It's the asshole of today. 
Stephen Moore. Stephen Moore. Trump's pick for the Federal Reserve. His second pick since the the Black Walnut. That's his nickname. I'm not giving him that nickname. Uh, Blitz? Yeah, well... What the hell's his name? Herman Blitz Kane. Herman Kane, who called Wolf Blitzer Blitz at a debate. Uh-huh. <laughs> wish I had that. I, I wish I had that clip handy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, Stephen Moore, this clip is, I, I don't know how old it is, honestly. Should have done my research. No, it's recent because it, it's, it's, uh, um, it's her show on PBS, Margaret Hoover. Oh, okay. And they're talking about all of this shit in his past relative to his nomination to the Federal Reserve Board. Right. Because Stephen Moore is not a great person. No. That is probably an understatement. Yes. But in this clip specifically, they ask him, Margaret Hoover asks him about a racist joke that he made. And he has some difficulty explaining the racist joke. Another statement that keeps coming to light is a joke you made about the Obamas. Just after the election, here, I'll play it. By the way, did you see that there's that great um, cartoon going along, that New York Times headline, first thing Donald Trump does as president is kicks, kick a black family out of public housing, and it has Obama leaving the White House. I mean, I just love that one. Well, I just um, love that one. But uh, it's just a great one. It's a great one. So, you know, that, that is a joke I always made about you know, uh, Obama lives in, you know, the president lives in public housing, but I, w- I didn't mean it like a black person did. I just meant that, you know, um, you, know tr- you know, being in the White House, you know, for example, when I was working with a lot of women uh, and, and families who were involved in the um, education voucher program, you know, here in D.C., and, and people would say, well, you know, uh, and these were, these were blacks who would say, you know, why does Barack Obama get to send his kids to any school that he wants to, and we can't. And they say he lives in public housing, and it was just kind of a joke. And that was referring. the optics, though, oh, the conservative white man yeah. talking about picking a black man out of public right. housing, right. of have a particular resonance, especially in a in this moment. Yeah. So I shouldn't have said it. Again, you can find. You go back thirty years, you're going to be able to find clips over and over and over again about me. I have a long paper trail. I mean, there's no question about it. And I've I say things that are kind of jokes that people if people want to pick them apart then I probably won't, you know, get on the Federal Reserve Board. Look at him. Who is he? William Barr being questioned by Kamala Harris. <laughs> uh, 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 also, uh, great, Margaret Hoover. You're, you're doing a really great job, right? He struggles to explain why he thought this joke was so funny. It's one of his classics. It's one of his go-tos. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, but the optics, though, right? Mm. Yeah. It, it's about- it doesn't look, look good. I like Margaret Hoover, but she for sure dropped the fucking ball here. Yeah. It, it doesn't look good. Yeah. He it's- said it's one of his favorite go-to joke. I love that one. I love that. And then he's like, well, you know, the the thing, I didn't, it wasn't about a black a black guy. It was about Obama, the president, uh, public, public, Obama, the black, no, even though he says it's the, it, Donald Trump's kicking a black guy at a, at a public housing. Right, right. He says black family, black guy. Right, it is a part of the, the quote hilarious unquote, joke. joke. Right, that he loves. His, one of the well, classics. You know, well, the other the other thing is when I'm working with underprivileged people in D.C. and there there's a thing with the thing. Oh my God! Oh uh, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. You know, it's so, probably gonna fuck me. Yeah. So all you have to do <laughs> is when someone makes a racist joke, just ask them what was that. So you know that's racist, right? Was that what was funny to you? about that joke what's i'm sorry blitz i meant wolf okay what makes that a classic did you just find that i do what i do now how did you do that while we were talking 
It's very impressive. I'm an impressive figure. You really now you're my hero. I'm to, sorry, Bliss. I meant Wolf. To okay? bring it full circle. <laughs> How about that? So anyway, Stephen Moore is for sure asshole of today. That, that is, and by the way, I didn't. I didn't want to spend a bunch of time rooting through and finding a bunch of clips, but there's a lot of him. A lot of writings we could have read from where he's like, "Oh yeah, that was a humor, a humor article." Mm-hmm. Apparently, he's a he's a part time comedian, part time economist, right? <laughs> who, who 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 ostensibly has the the chops to be named to the Federal Reserve Board. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here! Yeah. That Donald Trump, his first two picks this year are are Herman Cain. I'm sorry, Bliss. I meant Wolf. Okay. And Stephen Moore, the the black guy getting kicked out of fucking public housing. What world do we live in, Brittany? An interesting one. A world filled with assholes of today. Anyway, we love you guys. We're going to leave you there. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your v- uh, listenership. I almost said viewership. We would love to hear from you. To get your opinions on the record, help us move the conversation forward, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We will see you next time. Thank you. Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Well, that was a drop, so that was the old me again. <laughs> the old and- me. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.